Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Just getting the week started, right? We're trying to refocus, right? Trying to make sure the week is supportive, rooted in a little bit of mental health and self-care. Lots going on. <laughs> it's never dull. When I wake up in the morning, uh, I have been making it a habit to watch the news because... I was kind of living under a needed, a much needed rock there for a while saying, I'm going to take a step back. It's important for my mental health and so that I can be available to do all the work I need to do as a therapist. I, I have to keep my resources intact at times so I can help others and uh, making it now more part of my morning ritual to watch the news while I'm having my coffee. Never dull. <laughs> I mean, not that it ever was, but I just feel like we're in quite an exceptional time in, in my lifetime. I'm going to have seen more than some people have ever seen in theirs. Uh, it's quite, quite fascinating, quite amazing to, on one hand, it's heartbreaking, right? And on the other hand, um, history being made in many interesting ways. So, so much going on, but we got your back. Um, gosh. It's interesting as we watch the different people that were essentially domestic terrorists, but again, uh, anti-terrorism is usually rooted in anti-blackness and xenophobia. Um, and so we really want to call it what it is. It was a lot of white supremacy. It was a lot of toxic, um, masculinity. It was a lot of toxic American individualism, people thinking that they can just go in there and do what they want. Uh, just really pushing back on the changes that are being, you know, needing to be made. The, the Trump supporters that stormed the Capitol, Man, you could do quite an interesting psychological profile on all of them. They have a lot of things in common. So not not sad to see some of those people getting arrested. Although I don't support the carceral system, it's punishment. It doesn't create any change. It does nothing to dismantle you know the white supremacy or the toxic masculinity and um, all the other things that kind of really drove that. And uh, hopefully, though, what it does do is deter others from thinking that that's a way to really kind of get their needs met. So we'll keep talking about that. You know, I've been really trying to keep love line a little political because that's an important part of mental health, but also leaning more on the mental health, knowing that the news, magazines, and other radio shows are just burying you in this dialogue. So I want to touch upon it because it's important, but I also do want my show to be a resource away from that where we're working on all the other parts of our lives, which are still indirectly and through the back door and unconsciously dismantling the issues that are tied to our political system. So know that when we're talking about how to be a better loved one, partner, whatever it is, we are talking about dismantling all the pieces that come together to form the constellation that was Trump's America. So know that it's always a circular process. So we are talking about it even when we're not directly. 
so something that's been coming up when we look at uh, parenting, uh, studies around parenting and what's going on also with education and teachers is they're saying that you really should not shield the children from some of the news. You do want to be there with them as they're watching it, right? So you can answer any questions and even afterwards say, hey, let's talk about what you just saw. Did anything scare you? Did anything stand out? Do you have any questions? And kind of walking them through what's going on because again, that's part of how we create the change that's needed. And we want to start the younger generations and the current ones and really challenge some of the ideologies that are what are driving Trump's America, right? Um, that work has to still be done. And children aren't too young because they're seeing these things, they're hearing these things, and we want them to be um, resilient, but we also want them to be armed and empowered with the language to understand what's happening, but also to understand how to call it out and to be better. And I'm really thankful to see some teachers talking about these things in the classroom because <clears throat> children are aware and available to know what's going on at the appropriate level, but they don't need to be shielded from talking about racism. They're encountering it every day or homophobia. Let's not forget homophobia and transphobia is still going on. Trans and gay individuals are still getting murdered and it's still legal in multiple countries. So we do not want to stop talking about that. That is definitely something that needs more attention. I feel like it's gotten a little too quiet and lost in the sauce. So we do want to keep calling that out. And again, the best place to really do that work is at home because that's one of the places where it also begins. So we are saying as psychologists and as educational uh, experts that we do need to be talking to children about all the things that are happening. It's important. Now we also want to keep an eye on mental health, which means if you feel as though yourself or your child is getting overwhelmed and bombarded because this is flooded on their social media feeds, right? It's on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. So they're not, you know, it's coming in from different entry points. So it is okay to take a break. We don't want to flood them. We just want them to be aware and to have some languaging and to feel empowered and not scared and disempowered and anxious. But you do maybe want to take a break. Maybe you only talk about it once a day. Maybe you talk about it every other day. You do really need to check in with your body when the news comes on. Do you feel anxious and dysregulated before, during, or after? And the same thing with your children. Because that means you're getting overwhelmed and flooded and there's nothing constructive or productive in that so do possibly take a break also try to keep things in perspective let perspective let them and yourself and others know right um, how big it is how small it is how close it is how far it is just to keep it in perspective right um, and also just keeping connected um, this is something that's overwhelming to a lot of people and some people are still self-isolating in place all by themselves and that can feel especially overwhelming. So again, reach out to your loved ones and kind of get the conversation going with them. But we got a great show planned for you. We're going to talk about all sorts of good stuff, including celebrities that are coming out in droves talking about their mental health struggles, which is really empowering and very normalizing and gets us the language we need and helps us really start to talk about those things. So we're going to be talking about that question of the night, as always, is up on our Loveline AG page. And we're also going to talk about how to really bond with our kids. And these are the same skills we can use to bond with our partners and our loved ones. So, you know, circular in that way. All right, y'all, you're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we are back and uh, talking about mental health. Yeah, it's interesting. So we were talking about this, uh, I think it was on last night's show, about <clears throat> all the different people coming out talking about their different mental health struggles and, gosh, how normalizing that can be. Uh, I was talking about how when I was a kid, it was something that was very hush-hush and people didn't openly talk about getting into therapy. So we talked a little bit about uh, on yesterday's show how to help a loved one maybe realize that they need to get into therapy and to get into some and also just again, really prioritizing ours. It's it's the new year and whether you buy into the whole new year resolutions thing or not, it's um, I do think it can be a good demarcation that we kind of 
end who we might have been and decide, hey, I want to move forward with different ethics or a different level of consciousness. So uh, while I am not necessarily on board with people thinking they need a new year, new them, <laughs> we are still in a pandemic and we're doing the best we can. Um, so we want to have the bar very low for ourselves, which is something I think we all need to do anyway. It's distressing seeing the way that some people are holding themselves accountable to you know, levels of productivity and output that they would in a standard year. But right now we're in a pandemic, which, you know, we've been talking a little bit about all the different ways that people are coping with what's going on. And as we, you know, we know in psychology that there's different phases of events like this. And in the beginning, it's new and novel. Not that it feels good or it's something that's pleasant, but it's new and novel. And there's some level of uh, focus and um, we're not really aware of what we're dealing with. And so people, you know, kind of retreat and they follow the rules and guidelines that are set for us. And then they move into the second phase and that's one of more flatness and depression because it's just consistent. We've been doing it now for a while and people start to not feel so great. It's not interesting anymore. Everything's kind of feeling repetitive, not a lot of change or shift. Maybe we lose hope because time's gone by. But then we move into that third phase, which is really dangerous and risky where everything's become normalized and familiar. And we stop following the rules. We, it's too familiar. The fear's gone. And we saw that over the holidays when people were posting pictures and videos of all sorts of you know, really problematic, dangerous things, getting together in groups, not wearing masks at all. So you know, again, just reminding everyone we're in a pandemic and I want people to have more of a collective consciousness and more care about how they impact others. And every decision you make does impact others. And I don't think that you know, trying to spend time with friends at a party or an event or a circuit party or a bar or a club, I question that that should be prioritized over <clears throat> the health of your community, the health of your local friends and loved ones. So anyway, we need to push back on that, but just know that's kind of what happens in the phase that we're in where it's not scary anymore to people. You know, people are just kind of familiar with it, even though the numbers are rising. When I look at the stats, it's quite horrifying. Um, things aren't getting better. They're getting worse. And so we need to be more thoughtful. So just kind of put that in the back of your mind. But Knowing that, we're dropping the bar on ourselves, but we're also focusing on our mental health. We you know, talked before the new year about how studies are showing, not studies, but reports, that we're at a 20-year low. We've never had such struggles, right, uh, ubiquitously with such large samples of the population in terms of mental health. We're at highest levels of depression, anxiety, even things like substance abuse. So that's why we're talking more about that. I want to remember, I'm like writing a note, talk more about substance abuse, because I think it's something that's changing for us. People that might not have historically really had such a problematic or chaotic or consistent relationships with drugs or alcohol, kind of seeing now it showing up a little bit too consistently, too frequently, hitting it too hard. So just kind of put a little bit of a check on that. You know, um, we want to come out of all of this again, as robustly healthy as possible. Um, not, not worse off. And that's kind of been hard for me. I, I push myself. I have the bar really high. I'm used to being very, very productive and busy. And so it was hard for me to just really kind of sit with myself more, sit in silence, sit in solitude. And I use that word solitude, not isolation, because there's a difference. Solitude is something that we can find comfort with and it, it's productive. Even though we're not doing anything productive, it is productive. It's transformative. We're learning how to kind of slow down and get familiar with rest and recovery where isolation is more forced and imposed and it's not necessarily going to have a beneficial impact on us. And we want to really kind of change that narrative. Um, but it's been hard for me. 
you know, um, I'm used to doing so much more and I'm really practicing giving myself that grace and letting myself just kind of be where I am with that kind of just calling out whatever struggles, uh, kind of come along with that. But, um, I want to talk about some of the celebrities that came out, not as bisexual or gay or trans, although there's a lot of that happening. And I think that that's really beautiful. Um, I think it was like two weeks ago, uh, Busy Phillips was talking about her child who came out as non-binary and I think lesbian as well, lesbian identified, which actually upset some people. It was really interesting to look at the comments where people were saying they were attacking her and they're saying, oh, someone's career has hit a lull. So now they're you know using their kid to get attention. And I thought, wow, what kind of people are you around where that would be a possibility? Because the world I live in, no one acts like that. You know what I mean? That would never be the reason. And I actually know Busy. She's really cool and really kind. <laughs> um, I've been at a few events and parties with her. Currently not during COVID, but prior. Really sweet person. Not that person. Very confident. Not the kind of person that's going to misuse their kid in that way. But nonetheless, a lot of uh, celebrities came out as uh, living with mental health issues, specifically bipolar. And this is all out there. They've talked about themselves, so I'm not outing anyone. Uh, those that are fans of the show know I'm not a fan of celebrity gossip. I think it's unfair. It's unkind. It's none of our business. That is not journalism. But these are things that I think are meaningful and important. I think they can have a positive impact on us because, again, it's a lot of celebrities that really create the change, you know, and they dictate what's normal, what's familiar. So. Before I get into it, though, I also want to say that bipolar, be very thoughtful. Um, in the mental health world, we go through phases where there's a diagnosis that everyone seems to be prescribing and slinging around. And right now, bipolar, it's definitely overdiagnosed. So definitely go get a couple opinions or so if that's been applied to you and it's not something that you really feel like is who you are. So know that we're going through a bipolar phase where we went through the ADHD phase. I mean, every couple of years we go through that thing where everyone's getting that diagnosis. We went through the borderline phase. Um, so actually let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about some of the celebrities and what we can kind of ascertain from that. Um, you know, trying to use it in a beneficial way. Uh, DMs always open. That's on our Loveline IG page. So if you've got a question for me, slide on in there. We'll answer your question. We'll also be doing that later in the show. And uh, question of the night, as always, that's up on our Loveline IG page as well in the stories. And also just a reminder, y'all, feel free to leave some kind comments. <laughs> People are a little too comfortable putting some harsh things out there. All right, you're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. Alrighty, we're back and we're talking about excuse me, my throat, uh, celebrities that have publicly discussed openly, proudly, confidently mental health struggles that they had. And this one specifically really around bipolar, which stats show it's about 2%, uh, maybe 3% of the population struggles with bipolar. You know, it, it's a metaphor, right? It's a set of behaviors that we see commonly clustered. And so we use that label to help those people that struggle with elements of that cluster to better understand themselves and access treatment. But no one has to accept the mental health diagnosis. You get to decide for yourself if that's something you're comfortable identifying with. Um, often I'm opposed to diagnoses because for many it's shaming. There's a lot of stigma, but that's all changing. Um, a lot of these I wasn't aware of. Mariah Carey came out as struggling with bipolar disorder. Now that's something that when I look back, uh, I don't have a lot of familiarity with her at all. Can't name a song she sings, but I remember seeing different clips and videos and saw signs of some mania. Um, we overuse that word. True mania is going to be something that's going to be really profound when you experience it or see it on someone, right? It's a full elation, dysregulation, you know, someone struggling and uh, I've seen many moments of that with her. So helps us better understand what's going on with someone. Um, but also reminds us that you can still lead a very bold, successful life rooted in all the things that have meaning and value to you. Also while having some of these diagnoses. And so I'm glad that someone has, you know, 
prolific and uh, successful as Mariah talking about that. Because I think some people think that these diagnoses are going to mean that life is going to be dark or struggle. And, you know, that comes with it at times, but it doesn't have to be. Often, also, Catherine Zeta-Jones, um, I had heard about this, came out as bipolar. Um, talked about it starting back in 2011. Um, she says, with my bipolar becoming public, I hope fellow sufferers will know it's completely controllable. I also hope I can help remove any stigma attached to it and that those who don't have it under control will then maybe seek help. I love that. Um, I think that's really important. You know, again, diagnoses and mental health struggles can make people panic, wondering what's to come or what's available for them or how they'll be seen or treated. And thankfully that's changing because there was a time when having any kind of diagnoses was really going to work against you, right? And you weren't necessarily going to be able to thrive out in the world. So I like that this is kind of becoming more common. Also, Demi Lovato, God bless her. She also has talked about her bipolar, but also her drug and alcohol use, um, which for many is tied to that. Uh, so she's constantly kind of putting it out there. So I'm really happy to hear that. Also, she's one of those people whose journey hasn't been always one of continued abstinence. And I think that that's important because <clears throat> built into the model of change will always be relapse, whether it's a profound or small micro versions of that. But, you know, she's one of those people where she's had moments of sobriety and abstinence and other times not so much. And that's part of many people's journeys. And that's okay. Um, it's always just about being where you're at, doing the best you can do, accessing services, taking things seriously. But, you know, everyone's experience is very different, as is their their journey. Um, some of these names that I'm looking at, I'm not familiar with, so I'm skipping over some of them. Kanye West, that's another person who, man, God bless him, his bipolar, we've seen it in the public eye really flaring up uh, with him being very confused and disoriented and, and, and just talking in very... Um, you know, almost psychotic level kinds of ways, very much not grounded in reality. It can be scary to watch. What I did value is he was talking more about the fact that we need more black therapists. We need more access for people of color and other marginalized and exploited individuals to get therapy. Um, where are the therapists located? Are they affordable? Are they people of color and black therapists, you know? And so there's more and more of that. He said that, you know, we never, this is a quote from him. We never had therapists in the black community. We never approached taking medication. Um, I think it's good that when I had my first complete blackout at age five, my mom didn't fully medicate me because I might never have been myself. So, you know, again, it, it, it's both sides of the coin where some people, there's been some positive aspects to their different neurology. You know, their neurology is very, very different than some, and it's been beneficial in some ways, but also can come with some struggles and darkness and, and you know, negative effects. Um, and that can be the difficulty in taking medication at times, right? Because people can sometimes thrive in times of their depression and anxiety or with their substance abuse, right? It doesn't always only have a completely polarized negative impact. Uh, Baby Rexa, you know, again, vaguely familiar with her. Also, someone who came forward saying, I'm not willing to be shy about it. I'm not willing to be embarrassed about it. Um, looking at some of these other people. Halsey, this was not what I was familiar with, but uh, 2015, um, she shared her experiences with uh, bipolar. She said, I never talked about that in an interview before. Never brought it up. A lot of people I work with probably don't know. I think it's a good time to talk about it, though. I was diagnosed when I was 16 or 17, and my mom has it, too. So she talked about growing up in a family system where mental illness was present and talked about how chaotic it can be, you know? And maybe had it been more, you know, normalized and discussed and talked about, maybe her mom would have been able to seek treatment sooner, you know, or get better treatment, and maybe the, you know, family environment might not have been as chaotic. Um, it's difficult, you know, because... 
when we take medication or get treatment or therapy, it doesn't necessarily always mean that everything's completely healed and better. Sometimes it's about just learning how to manage and do our best while struggling. You know, and that's also mm-hmm. something that comes with recovery from addiction as well. Um, doesn't always mean life is improved. <laughs> it's just that we're showing up to it differently, hopefully in a healthier way. So anyway, thankful to all them. Um, all right, coming up next, we're going to do some DMs, and then we're going to talk about ways we can very easily bond with children. I know, in our busy, busy lives, we don't always have time, nor do we always know how to do these things. So we'll be talking about that. And then question of the night, you're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back. For those that are big fans of the show, y'all know that I love stories about queer animals. Not gay, queer. Queers and non-normative. Queers in the academic study of stepping outside of homo and heteronormativity and living our lives authentically and liberated. That's what queer with a capital Q means. It's not associated with gayness or gender necessarily. It's people that are non-normative and explorative. Straight people can queer. They can be queer themselves. That means they step outside of normal straight expectations and ideals. I love animal stories. Animals are so queer. So when people say like, oh, well, that's not natural. We, you know, what's natural is, oh my God, have you heard what goes on in the animal kingdom? I track this stuff. So yet again, we're looking at a gay couple of penguins. Yep, animals are frequently gay. That's not something going wrong. That's just part of the creative diversity that is in the world. Gay couple, again, has adopted a chick that was neglected by its hetero parents. I love this. So we talked about this back actually a couple years ago in 2018. We talked about this couple, Sven and Magic. They were the only same-sex couple at this aquarium. And yet again, they have adopted a a young one that has been rejected by its family. I love that. They just, they just, they are just so in love. They just want to build large families. They are so caring. <laughs> They've just taken in those that need a little extra love and care. I'm all about it. But now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world. We want you to explore with confidence. Here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris and Loveline, how do you stop thoughts of self-harm and depressive symptoms? I have my own mental health issues and a care team that I talk to, but are there any exercises or things you recommend doing to try to calm myself while at home? So um, just to start right off, if someone is struggling with deep depression and self-harm, my first thing is you need to go to therapy. So I really don't necessarily want to answer that directly. That's something I really want you to take to your healthcare team. I don't want to give you advice without understanding the context. That wouldn't be um, ethical. So I'm going to send you back to your healthcare team so they can directly work with you on what self-care you might need around the self-harm. So I'm going to step outside of that question and I'm just going to go to the question that says, are there exercises you can do to stay calm while at home? Yes. Number one, identify your triggers. Um, and triggers show us where our work is. And some of those things we can learn how to be more resilient or robust around and better manage. Other times we remove triggers or we lessen the impact they have on us. For instance, people that are feeling really depressive and anxious because of what's going on in the world. Well, take time off social media and away from the news and set a boundary around conversations where you're not constantly talking about these things. That helps us stay calm. Um, Another thing we can do is just really, really build a sanctuary at home that feels very safe and comfortable to us. We want to enter our home or a bedroom feeling soothed and we can create really calm spaces. I know what I need to do when I'm feeling overloaded. I really focus on the sensory 
uh, inputs. So I surround myself with all these different senses that soothe me. Um, I put on my headphones and I listen to calm music. Music is a powerful way to help regulate our nervous system and soothe and calm our emotions. So I put on my headphones so I block out all the rest of the world, which can be triggering, overwhelming, and distracting. And I play music that I feel is very soothing. And I turn off the lights. Again, I'm hitting all the senses, sound, atmosphere, turning off the lights. And then I climb into my comfortable bed and I wrap myself in a blanket and I lean my head back and I just let the music take over my nervous system. And I let the music kind of bring myself out. I dissociate when I'm doing that. I check out. My nervous system is at the mercy of the music and the touch of the blanket and the pressure and the weight. And that's what works for me. Other people, they can go into a bath and that can be like a holding pattern. Um, Breath exercises, our breath, working with our breath, slowing it down. And you can Google many soothing breath techniques. And that is another way to work with our nervous system is our breath. If we're thinking in a really aroused, agitated way, our breath will be that way. And if we calm our breath down, that can help. You can do some thought stopping, right? Where you really challenge and don't catastrophize or dramatize whatever you're thinking or feeling, right? So there's little techniques like that. And then the final one is the use of others, reaching out to other people, connecting with others, talking to them about what's going on. It's a really great resource. Something about someone holding space with you, not saying anything, not fixing, right? Not solutions, but just sitting with you, looking at you, maybe holding a hand or leaning up against you, but time with others, communicating. You don't have to be in physical presence of them, but you can FaceTime or call them. Having someone in it with you, someone who can hold that container is very, very, very healing and very soothing. So that's what I offer up for that. All right, y'all, coming up next, we're going to talk about how to simply bond with kids. And a lot of these things, as you'll hear, we can apply to loved ones, friends, family. It's all the same stuff. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back and we're talking about ways to bond with children. I'm one of those people where I was not raised around a lot of children, uh, don't have any of my own. And so child adolescent behavior isn't that familiar to me. I work exclusively with adults. Uh, So I always find these things interesting. And what I like even better is a lot of the skills or the ideals or the theories that we talk about in terms of adults or children are applicable to both and all. Even some of the things where we talk about how to be a better, you know, boss or colleague or whatever also applies to parenting. It's a lot of universal skills. So feel free if you don't have any children to say, okay, but these are still really meaningful examples of ways to bond that are simple. Because even when I talk to couples about flirting and romance, they often think of these big, dramatic, over-the-top, maybe even expensive things. And it's like, no. In fact, the free, accessible, easy, simple, short-term things are often the ones that are most profound and really penetrate deeply, you know? So let's talk about some things that can help with uh, children that are at home. Maybe you're burnt, you're stressed, you're burnt out, you're stressed out, you're tired, you're overworked. Uh, we're in quarantine and you're thinking, my poor children <laughs> or my poor partner, you know? And it's good to assess that. Like, take a moment right now. How are you doing as a parent? How are you doing as, a, as the child of someone? How are you doing as a friend? Are you being a good partner? Are you being a good boss? Like now's the time to assess yourself. It's mental health is about constant self-assessment, not assessing others. We're great on reading articles about our narcissistic partner or our toxic family, but let's look at ourselves for a second. How are we doing? You know, how would our friends and loved ones rate us? Where's our work? We got to improve ourselves. It's not always about others. I I often try to remind people, the topics I'm talking about, start with using it to assess yourself first before you weaponize it and take it out and share it with your partner. How you doing? You know what I mean? When people say that you're giving them love, care, and attention, are you looking out for people's well-being? 
right? So here's some of the things. I love this. Small, small things that can help parents spend time and connect with children. First off, say something kind and give them a hug. I love that. Quality time and touch. We can apply that to everyone. Affection, touch, makes us feel close, makes us feel soothed, makes us feel better. The more we can build in, the better off we're going to be. The early environment sets the tone for how much of that we're going to seek, how much of that we're going to be able to tolerate, how much of that we're going to want. And uh, we want to flood people. There's no such thing as being too loving or caring. We used to think that, oh, you're going to make your child weak or vulnerable. No, there is nothing wrong. In fact, it's the opposite. If you don't have enough, it's traumatic. If you have too much, it's great. Also, reading to your child for 10 minutes. I love that. Read your child. It's time. It's care. It's attention. Also, what's the adult version of that? Well, I will send a screenshot or read a part of a passage that was meaningful to me with friends and loved ones. You know, I'm in a relationship and I'll be like, yo, look at what I just read. This was so meaningful to me. I want to share this with you. It's a beautiful way to bring someone into your life. It's a beautiful way to stay connected to someone. It's a beautiful way to spark conversation and deepen intimacy. Share parts of your life with people, including your children. It's okay to send your kid a text message of something that made you think of them while you're out in the world. Same thing with a friend or even someone you're in a relationship with. Bringing them into your world. Simple, free, easy, right? I love that. Um, also, I love this one too. Letting your child stay up an extra 20 minutes later than normal to watch a show you both like once a week. Special time. You sit together. You even talk about what you just watched or you're going to watch. You know, it's, it's investment. It's connection. Um, I like this one also, keeping a gratitude journal together. I have a friend and we do that. Um, not every day because I'm not a big fan of, of uh, you know, perfection or purity. So days are allowed to lapse. Uh, I think it's too big of an expectation to say never. But Almost every day we send each other a gratitude list, five things that we're grateful for. It's a habit we've gotten into. I think it's great. Um, do a good deed for your child, like charging their iPad for school or making their bed. I mean, what I like about this is it moves us away from what we call adultism, which is the idea that kids' thoughts don't matter and kids' feelings and thoughts aren't relevant and that adults are demand more respect or whatever it is. It's like, no, do something love for your kid, make their bed. Say, you know, I was thinking about you and I made your bed, you know, took a load off your, your day. You had a busy day, busy week. Um, also letting your child pick a date for the two of you. Give them a few options. Which of these things would you like to go do with me? When can we do that? I want to spend time with you. But again, something you can also do with a friend, a family member, or a loved one. Hey, we haven't seen each other while. I've been thinking about you. Here's three ideas I had. Are you interested in doing one of these with me? It's also something to start considering if you're someone who participates in Valentine's Day and you have a partner or partners to celebrate with. Something experiential, best gifts. For, your, for Valentine's Day or for your birthday, we are going to go do blah, blah, blah together. I love things like that. So thoughtful. And it's, it makes the gift like bigger versus just handing them like an object, you know, that then goes on the shelf or something. You know what I mean? It creates memories, right? Uh, what else do we have in here? I love this. Writing a post-it note about something positive your child did and leave it on their pillow. Adorable. Again, letting your kid know that they're valued and they're important. Again, also something you can do with a friend, a, a parent, a family member, or a loved one. Little notes, letting them know you're thinking about them. <clears throat> really beautiful way to have your day kind of interrupted. I was in a relationship with someone who constantly did that. Never, never got old. 
always was beautiful, always meant a lot, always was meaningful because it's that vulnerability. Are right, we going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about this because if we apply it, these things are applicable to almost every element of our life. Bosses can even do this. You know what I mean? Like this is something we can all do with those around us, friends, loved ones, uh, people at the coffee shop. I love doing things for the baristas that take the time to remember my face and my order and greet me. You know what I mean? All right, you're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. We're talking about uh, simple, easy ways to express to initially the entry point was a child at home when you're, you know, your loved ones, how you feel about them. But we're talking about how this is something that can be extended and applied to anyone in your life. Um, and they're simple, easy things. That's what I love about it. No money needs to be spent. These are huge time investments. And some of them are experiential, but that's because you want to employ that time. So we ended on just leaving notes. Love that. Uh, let's see what else we got on here. Oh, print a photo of you and your child and put it in a frame for them. Also adorable to do with a loved one, right? Reminding them. Playing games, love that. Cards. Talked about watching movies together, making dinner with them, going out, silly jokes, um, cards. I love all this. I mean, the whole thing is it's really just about letting someone know you care enough about them to think about them. You care enough about them to want to acknowledge that. It means a lot because this came out early on in COVID. We were talking about checking in on people and reaching out because you never know um, how meaningful that could be or maybe how few people have connected or reached out and how, God, empowering, transformative, and healing it can be to just have someone say, hey, I was thinking about you. It's all about more uh, care, love, and compassion in 2021. Not seeing a lot of it, right, as evidenced by people partying like there's not a pandemic that's easily spread with aerosols. <laughs> Especially when you see those articles about how even wearing a mask or staying six feet apart isn't necessarily foolproof. Anyway, but um, let's. there's a kind of a good segue into this is something that was a, a reckoning for me. You know, time flies by, especially in pandemic, right? We're like, how did an entire year just go by? Um, and we don't always look out for our physical health, right? We talk about how we prioritize physical health over mental health. And we're talking more about, you know, normalizing mental health and getting into therapy. But I was looking at an article and I thought this was important to go through. And it was talking about the different kinds of doctor's appointments that we should not skip even during COVID. And I thought, what an important topic, because it's really easy for us to write off following up or making certain appointments because we're in a pandemic. And there's something very healthy and reasonable in that, right? Like hospitals are overloaded. So they're like, no elective surgeries, please. You know what I mean? They're struggling to even fall through on the needed surgeries because of how overloaded they are with COVID. So what are some of the appointments that you still want to make sure you're following up and making during this time? Well, the first one they threw out there was cancer screenings. Yeah, 100%. Um, Definitely continue that. They said you can put it off for about a month or two, but delaying any longer can mean things can turn into a real problem. So if it's something that was recommended or required, definitely follow through and do that, right? Really, really, really important. Also, they're saying you should still get your annual physicals. Um, so if you haven't done that last year, it's time to kind of book that, you know? Um, pediatrician appointments makes sense. Prenatal care, obviously very, very important. Like that's still something that has to be addressed. Dental cleanings. Some people are like, what is that? It's like, ah, yes. <laughs> might be a decade since you've had one of those. But they're saying, yep, you might think it's no big deal to push back seeing the dentist, but uh, you gotta because your teeth actually indicate a lot more than you'd think. Um, so oral health care is just really important about reducing inflammation. It's connected to other issues, other chronic uh, conditions, heart disease, stroke. So yeah, right here. Uh, having diabetes raises your risk of gum disease while having poor oral health raises your risk for heart disease and stroke. 
dentists also screen for oral cancers, kill more than 10,000 people. So that's kind of the key. You know, it's really easy at a profound time like a pandemic to just say, oh, we're not going to worry about things. Yes, love that, love that in a lot of domains. But uh, mental and physical health can't be skimped out on like that, you know? That isn't going to uh, alleviate itself or put itself on hold because of what's going on in the world. And uh, even still looking at the stats, most of us might not be getting those vaccines for many, many, many months. <laughs> so life has to keep going in all the ways that are important and meaningful. So don't, don't, don't not do that. I also appreciate the thinking that <clears throat> the year's been hard enough. And some people are saying, I don't want any more news about anything, you know. But what I also know is that if you can catch something or deal with it sooner before the severity has increased or it's become too far gone, you're going to be glad that you did. And uh, we're kind of, I mean, the whole thing is you can't really, well, you can't at all, but I have notes. I'll leave little notes. Um, not many, because then you don't really feel the impact, but I'll leave a note or two around my house and I'll move the note because you'll get familiar seeing it and you no longer register what it's saying to remind me of certain things. And this kind of falls under the whole okaying where I'm trying to okay everything. doesn't mean that I'm okay with everything that's happening, but I'm realizing my powerlessness to a lot of it. And I'm just saying, okay, you know what I mean? So it's like, you got to go to the dentist. Okay. The dentist tells you you need a filling. Okay. Got a parking ticket to pay. Pay. Okay. Because you gotta, and you just say, okay. And you try to not turn this little difficult moment into a difficult day or difficult week. You don't let these things that, you know, you just have to move forward into and handle and solve. You don't let it become bigger. You don't have to attach a lot of uh, emotion to it or a lot of anxiety. You just kind of go with it. You're like, okay, I don't, don't want to hear that. That's not what I was looking for. It doesn't make me happy, but okay. I'm going to show up. I'm going to deal with things. I'm trying to practice that. Clearly, <laughs> the new year is not promising that it's going to be better. You know, that's that's the flaw in the idea of going into a new year. Ah, oh, things will be different or better. No, not necessarily. In a lot of ways, it's just more of the same, right? Um, but we can approach it differently. We can start to say, you know what? I'm going to be a little detached in a healthy way from some things. I'm not going to be as emotional about everything. And I'm going to just try to okay whatever it is I can. Just say, okay. Yep, not what I wanted, not how I wanted it to go, but okay. And you're just kind of showing up because we got we just we just started the year, and I already personally am bumping into some speed bumps. Things are not ideal, um, so fingers crossed that the year is going to uh, improve and that things might get easier. Definitely very familiar, but that's kind of how life is. Guaranteed to always change. So uh, just okay the crap out of everything <laughs> and show up to the doctor's appointments that you need to show up to and try to prioritize those around you. Again, you know what I mean? Making the best out of what we got. Not toxic positivity, right? We're not faking that everything's great, but uh, we're working with what we got, you know? <sighs> Strange times. And we, you know, we, we, we still got to see what's coming up with the, I, I mean, we all know who won the election, but we still got to see what's coming up with that. Politics haven't even stopped or slowed down, you know? So uh, I know we don't talk much about that, but we will be because it's going to get real interesting real soon. All right, y'all, coming up next, question of the night. So still some time to weigh in on that. That is on our Loveline IG page. And then uh, we'll be closing out the show with some DMs. Uh, so if you've got a question for us, go on our DMs. And also Loveline. You can check out past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new Channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. Great news, y'all. Great news. As many cities and states legalize uh, marijuana, uh, Chicago, this is phenomenal. Illinois, sorry, is expunging 500,000 
marijuana arrest records. That's amazing. We've now legalized it. We're now saying, yeah, you're allowed to sell it. So let's not keep those that did nonviolent crimes locked up in the horrible carceral system just being punished. Let them back out. Let them work on now legally getting back into the business that they were in before when it wasn't legal. I love that. And it's also letting a lot of, it's ending a lot of systemic racism because the predominant people in prison are people of color, predominantly lower socioeconomic people of color. And so this is about classism. This is about racism. And so I'm so glad that that's happening and I can't wait for other cities to do that. I'm so thankful that we're legalizing drug use. Why? Because then people can get treatment that they need. People can then work on making it a legal industry. I'm a big fan of people using marijuana medicinally in states that it's legal. I use it medicinally. It helps with my anxiety and depression. Far better than pharmaceuticals ever have or ever did. That's my that's part of my self care. And for those where it's legal, you can take use of that. Um, and so I'm glad. Port, Portland, Oregon. We were talking about how they're legalizing almost all drugs again. Putting someone in jail doesn't help someone who has a true addiction heal at all. What they need is treatment and care. They need services. And that's now going to finally happen. And so I'm all here for it, just like I'm also here for the decriminalization of sex work, not legalization, because that'll put too many issues in place, too many obstacles. That's a whole nother topic. But decriminalization means that these adults can sell adult services to other adults. They get to decide what to do with their bodies. Adults should have a legal right to decide what kind of labor they use their bodies for. We use our bodies as labor for anything, any job we do, your body is being utilized by your employer. Your body's being utilized by your employer, your emotions, everything. There's no reason why something erotically based has to be different. So we'll talk about that again. We've talked about that before, but I just read that and I was so happy that we're making these necessary changes. And now y'all, it is time for question of the night. All right, tonight's question tonight is, what is your zodiac sign? We're going to read your horoscope predictions for 2021, so get ready, y'all. I didn't write these. These are from an astrologer. Do not DM me if you don't like what it says. And remember, hold these things loosely, right? These are up for interpretation. You have to contextualize it within your own life. So this is more for entertainment purposes. I'm not saying I'm opposed to astrology. I just don't know a lot about it. Um, so here are your, your uh, predictions for 2021. Aries. All right, Aries people out there, your sense of security will be challenged this year. <laughs> you think? That's for all of us. But it's not a bad thing, it says. Redefining friendships and giving your all to those who have been true to you. Love it. Taurus. Ready, Tauruses? Changes are coming, thank God. Most of which you probably aren't ready for. <laughs> Uh, but if accepted with open arms, it will take your career and life to amazing new heights. Not mad at that one. These all have like a positive skew. So get ready for those amazing new heights. Gemini. Mm, that was my ex. God bless. I don't know, y'all. You might feel uncomfortable because you're going to be the center of attention this year. Yep, my ex loved being the center of attention. That's every year. But your confidence will rise and relationships will flourish. Well, congrats. Congrats to you. <laughs> Oh, these are funny. These are really funny. Okay, Virgos, you're up next. Virgos, your horoscope predictions for 2021 are this. This year you will be stressed. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, bless. You think? I thought the stress was going to be winding down. Guess not. But, Virgo, make sure you find your balance and focus on self-care. All right, I'm here for that one. Find that self-care, Virgos. Once you do, your self-esteem will elevate. I love that. I'm sorry I'm laughing at these. These are just really funny to me. Just look at the context of what we've been through and what's still ahead, what's still, still, still ahead. Zodiac predictions for 2021 for the Libras. All right, Libras, you're keeping the peace at all costs this year. Thank you, Libras. Putting the needs of everyone in your life before yours. 
but be careful of those who don't return this love. Mm, you hear that? You hear that, Libras? You gotta be careful of those that don't return that love. Come on, we're moving into a new year. We're, we're, we're giving a lot of love and we're expecting a lot of love back. We are leading with compassion and we're expecting it back, right? Scorpios, right? That's me. What's my prediction for my horoscope for 2021? Your intense emotions are only going to get deeper during the year. So hang on. See, that's horrible. Y'all got really positive endings. Mine is just like buckle up and hold on, tough guy. Like that's a mess. <laughs> Come on. That's all I get. Jesus. Uh, horoscope prediction 2021 for Sagittarius. Love will be confusing this year. So connection with others through friendship and community will be your safe space. You hear that, y'all? Focus on friendship and community because outside of that, it's going to be a big old mess. And finally, your horoscope prediction for 2021 for Pisces. Your internal world is transforming this year, making your professional goals take a back seat while you figure out your personal life. I'm not mad at that. We all need to really be focusing on our personal lives, right? How healthy are the relationships we're in? Do we need to show up better? Do we need to show up differently and start to create that change? What about the people we're showing up to? Are they open to that? Are they good for us? How do we feel before, during, and after we're spending time with them? Are they reaching out? That's always the check-in on anything. Food, drugs, alcohol, exercise, your job, your friends. How do I feel before when I'm thinking about it on the way? How do I feel while I'm there? And how do I feel afterwards? And if the answer is bad and negative and toxic and all those elements, well, then you got to go. Seriously. The ideal is that you feel good before, during, and after. That's the goal. All right, so coming up next, DMs. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Slide in the DMs is brought to you by our friends, the Trojan Condoms, because it's a big old sex of world. We want you to explore with confidence. DMs come from our Loveline IG page. So if you got a question for us, drop it on in there. Always confidential, always anonymous. Whatever you're thinking about, someone else is probably going to learn a little bit, get a little transformation from it too. So please, 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 even if we've answered it before, drop it in there. Getting really good questions, but I uh, just want to let you know that we're here for you. You don't got to suffer in silence. It's also just part of the goal of the show. We want you to know that like we're here with you, you know? Um, all right, here's the question. Hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Jessica, and I got into a fight with my girlfriend, Rach because her friends are toxic, bum, 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 literally toxic. They go out all the time, even during the pandemic. Ugh. When they're out, they hit on every female in the building. <laughs> all right, they got game. They're all single, except my girlfriend, but they're all so rude. Okay, so, so far not so great that it's a pandemic and they don't care, and also that they're rude. What is that about? I, I never, I, yeah, I don't know what that's about. Do they feel very disempowered? Do they feel threatened by others? Is that how they re-empower themselves? It's so unfortunate. Like going out and socializing, I want it to be a fun, safe space. I want everyone to feel accepted and cared for and have fun. It shouldn't have to be such a social hierarchy of us and them and uh, just such a place where we're acting out all of our trauma. And that's, that's why I stay out of the bar scene. I am not a bar guy. I haven't really, even when I was into it, I wasn't into it. You know, it's never really been a safe space for me. It's not something I enjoy. And I also don't drink. So never my jam, but y'all do what you do. All right. So the question says, I know they don't like me because they think I'm taking Rach away from them, but at what point is enough enough? Well, you kind of are, and maybe that's in her best interest. Um, but do remember, you don't have to be friends with your partner's friends. I'm a big fan of, you know, partners being like, I'm going to go out with my girls. I'll see you tomorrow, babe. And you're being like, great, have fun, be safe, see you tomorrow. And then they come see the next day and you do date night. You don't, you don't have to be around them. If the bars aren't your jam and rudeness pandemic's an issue because she's with them, then she's setting you up. She's a high risk. I, I wouldn't, I'm not down with that. Sorry. 
I'm in a relationship and I'm not down with any kind of COVID risk. So you get to, you get to put the gabash as they say on that one. Anywho, I thought I hit my breaking point on New Year's Eve when we were all hanging out at one of the friend's houses and they literally called in strippers. What's wrong with that? I mean the pandemic, that's why. Okay. I'm hoping it's just the pandemic. Otherwise having dancers come is fine. Who cares? Uh, she says I'm being dramatic, but I'm definitely at my breaking point. Time to go. Time to go. Your girlfriend said you're being dramatic. So you've come to your girlfriend. You're like, hey, listen, your friends are rude. <laughs> um, hey, listen, we're in a pandemic. You all run around like we're not, and I feel unsafe. And your girlfriend's like, sorry, being dramatic. It's not a good sign. Good sign in a relationship is when someone's open to critique. They're open to talking about boundaries. They care about you. And this person sounds like none of the above. I don't want to dramatize it or catastrophize. So if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I'm going to go with it feels that way. And if so, it's time to move on. Don't be in a relationship with someone who doesn't care how they impact you or what your thoughts or feelings are, right? But I would say you don't need to like their friends. And it's not your job to critique the friends. So it's more about you saying to your girlfriend what it feels like when you're with her. Because that's what you got to worry about. How is it like when you're with her? You don't need to be with them. Now, I do appreciate on times like birthdays, New Year's Eve, she wants to be with both you and them. And you have a right to say, that is not actually fun for me. Um, and I want to spend New Year's Eve with my girlfriend. And that's part of compatibility where you can be around their friends at times. And that's a rough one, you know? So I'm not going to tell you to fully leave, but you have to have that difficult conversation. Listen, I don't enjoy spending time around your friends. Moving forward, I don't want to. It's also not safe because of COVID. But yes, I want to see you on your birthday and thanks and uh, holidays. Maybe you have to learn how to suck it up. I've been in relationships with people where I didn't like their friends. And sometimes we all had to come together. And I was respectful and I held my boundaries. And I spent some time there and then I exited. It's kind of, you know, so it's either a matter of compromise if you think this is a good relationship and you say when I have to see them, I'll let them be as rude as they need to be, but I'm going to set my own boundary, take care of myself, or it's time to go. Uh, for me, I would, I personally, Dr. Chris would go. For me, it's social compatibility is important. It is important for me to at least be able to participate sometimes with my partner's friends. And if it's that toxic and they're that rude, then it says a lot about my partner. Like, what's it in for them? Why are they allowing that? Why does that feel comfortable to them, you know? So, all right, circle back. Let us know how it goes. Um, that is our show. If you want to check out past episodes of Loveline, go to wearechannelq.com. And on tomorrow's show, we're going to talk about the important vaccine myths. Yes, COVID vaccine myths. Question of the night, always, always, it's back up on our Loveline IG page in the stories. So weigh in on that, as well as uh, drop us a question in the DM if you've got a question for us. Y'all spend the rest of your night focusing on self-care, joy, pleasure, and rest. As always, thanks for hanging out with me, and you enjoy the rest of your night.